Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Meet the Expats. It's Pauline, and today I am with Kyle, who moved to Paris, France as a child and decided years later to come back. So in today's episode, we're going to explore his experience as a TCK, third culture kid, and how this shaped him. Hi, Kyle. How are you? Hey, Pauline. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, great to have you on the, on the show. So before we start, I'm going to let you introduce yourself very briefly to the audience. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Kyle O'Brien. Uh, I am an American expat living in Paris. I've been here for about three years now and kind of originally immigrated for uh, for work. And that's kind of evolved over time. And I'm sure we'll kind of jump into the discussion yeah, a little bit well, later on. Into the details then. So let's start by the first move. How did you move in the first place? And what age were you at that time? Well, it was in uh, the year 2000. Actually, we're coming up on the, the anniversary. I think it was June 15th. Um, 2000. Uh, at the time, I was living in Chicago uh, as a kid. So I was about nine years old when we moved. And ultimately, we moved because of my, my dad's work. And uh, yes, yeah, so it was a bit of a, a, bit of a surprise, a, a little bit of a culture shock as a, as a nine-year-old, um, but, uh, but, but powered through. <laughs> right. And how, how did your parents present this to you? a really good question I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly how it I, I think we had you know some sort of family meeting you know we'd sit down me and my sister on the couch and they kind of explained mm. that there's this kind of a big event uh that's about to take <laughs> place and that our life is going to change uh pretty drastically and here are the reasons and kind of here's what to expect but you know thinking back my, my mom was actually a, a bit of a francophile she spent six years in paris after okay. graduating university and so, you know, she had taught us a little bit of French when we were younger, even before we knew we were going to move to France. Mm. And she was a, like I said, she, she had kind of a sense for French culture and, you know, kind of loved Paris for her whole life. And, and so in, in some ways she was very eager uh, to kind of introduce us to that, that experience, right. that world. And I, I guess she helped prepare a lot to move then in here's what you can expect or here's maybe what's going to be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I, I still have distinct memories of like sitting at a cafe somewhere in Paris and, and we'd kind of watch the scene, you know, the pe people moving by and the trucks driving by and yeah. uh, she would, she would kind of explain like, okay, you know, that word truck, and this is how you say it in French. And we'd write it in our little journal. Mm. And so, you know, we, we kind of like learned by doing and, and she kind of taught us, uh, words and expressions here and there to help acclimate us to the to the new environment. Nice. So, what was your reaction, or you and your sister's reaction, when you learned the news? Well, originally we were devastated. I think uh, <laughs> you know when you're when you're yeah. nine and and seven years old, and and that's kind of the the world you know, the culture, the language, all of your friends, your experiences have kind of been contained in like a single place. It's yeah. almost unfathomable. To, to think about leaving all of that mm. so there was you know there was a lot of, of crying and, and complaining I'm sure yeah. <laughs> but you know at some point you, you pick up and leave uh, you arrive at the new destination and uh, you start to adapt and I think kids are, are pretty good at adapting yeah yeah I felt that 
like having lived a bit of the similar situation, I don't think I really understood why we were leaving and didn't want to leave. But once you're there, you just switch modes, which yeah. is very, very strange because I don't feel as an adult I switch modes as easily as. Yeah, it's, it's uh, some part of your brain shuts off when you hit a certain age. I, I think, <laughs> yeah, that, that adaptability is, is you're not quite as malleable as you were when you were, you know, nine or 10 years old. Yeah. And once there, the integration and adaptation, did you find any specific challenges or good surprises in a way? I, I remember that first summer we moved there because school hadn't started yet. It was, it was somewhat difficult to integrate. I was spending a lot of time with my mom and my sister and my dad was working quite a bit. So, you know, we, we just kind of got settled in, explored the city. I think my mom probably did a good job of, you know, finding uh, activities for us. And I, I think there was some sort of summer camp. And then the big question I think at that time was, do I go to a French elementary or middle school or do we look at more of an international style, you know, kind of a school so that I could, I don't know, acclimate a little bit easier, learn in English and then do kind of like a, yeah, like yeah. a deep dive in, in French. And uh, after visiting a bunch, I think we settled on, well, I know we settled on the uh, the American school in Paris. Right. Yeah. Which is, is fairly international, actually. Uh, and in fact, there's a lot of French kids whose parents wanted them to you know, grow up bilingual. Yeah. And, uh, and and they would go there as well. So it was nice. It was kind of a, a ease of the transition in a sense. I got to learn in English, but I took, you know, an intensive French course every yeah. day and, and got up to speed on French. Yeah, I'd say that probably helped. Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely helped. The biggest transition for me actually was was less on the language, but I, I'd gone to Montessori school. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Kind no, of, what is it? It's, so Maria Montessori was this Italian teacher. I, I don't know the full history, so don't, don't uh, maybe someone can Wikipedia later. But, you know, I think in the 1800s or, or late 1800s or early 1900s, she came up with this kind of alternative teaching method for primarily oh. for younger students. Yes. No, I do see what it is. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of grew up in that model. And, and it's a little bit of a freestyle learning model. So you, you kind of dictate your own schedule. You don't sit mm. at desks. So it's a little non-traditional, at least by American standards. And so when we arrived at the American School in Paris, you know, I was sitting at a desk in a classroom with back-to-back -back classes. And I think the first like feedback at the parent-teacher conference was, you know, Kyle stands up a lot during the class and <laughs> kind of moves around. So I, I remember that being like a pretty, a pretty serious adjustment. Yeah, 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 I do guess that the teaching was very different to Montessori. <laughs> yeah. So how, how do you think this experience as a child shaped you today or what do you keep from that experience? Well, it was, I mean, it was, it was certainly, uh, you know, uh, a, for, a formative experience in my, in my childhood. And I, I think had a lasting impact, I mean, for, for both for, for better and for worse. Yeah. You know, when I, when I arrived in Paris, it was, you know, as you would imagine, it was a, a pretty uh, big change of pace. And yeah. with that came kind of, you know, levels of anxiety and kind of, fear I, I don't know that, that like typically you don't experience as a nine-year-old um nice. and so I, I kind of was introduced to these adult concepts of like you know how to cope with anxiety and I, I remember seeing like a child psychiatrist or something uh at the time just to like learn how to kind of manage my emotions and, right. and and things like that so in a way I, I kind of grew up 
uh, it accelerated my my adulthood or my <laughs> in, in, in a sense. But at the same time, I, I think I, I learned a ton about myself. I was exposed to a completely different culture. You know, I started to learn French. I made friends from all over the world. And and to me, that that had the most lasting impact. And I think the most important impact, especially when I moved back to the U.S., it gave me a perspective on uh, how other people, other cultures, other other countries operate, and that there's more to the world than, you know, five mile radius of where you're born or grow up. Yeah. And that, that seems fairly obvious, but when you meet certain people who, who really haven't had that exposure or weren't fortunate enough to travel or have no interest in kind of leaving their hometown, for example, you know, it is a pretty stark difference uh, yeah. of kind of your understanding of the world. Mm. Yeah, of course. And um, I think that yeah, that's a valid statement for anywhere, <laughs> like not just <laughs> the U.S., <laughs> anywhere yeah. in the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving forward, then, what took you back to Paris then three years ago? Yeah, well, I, so when I, when I moved back to the U.S., I, I ended up taking French all the way to the end of high school. So I, I kind of continued my my, my academic uh, pursuit of, of the French language <laughs> and French culture. But then after that, uh, in university, I, I, I pretty much went cold turkey. I, I didn't really speak French. I didn't do a study abroad program just because, you know, I'd spent quite a bit of time uh, abroad already. And so for about six years, you know, during university and maybe, maybe even longer than that, seven, eight years, I, I just didn't really kind of uh, work out that muscle, the, the French muscle. Yeah. And so when, as I got into my career uh, and I, was, I, I started out in, in kind of a big technology company, I, I, I didn't, you know, I, it was an international company. So I, I started to develop a desire to move around a little bit. I, I don't know if it was a reflex from my, my youth of moving around so much, <laughs> but I, I was interested in, in having an international business experience. I think, you know, the first priority was from a resume standpoint, you know, if I can go yeah. work in another country, uh, you know, that can give some kind of give me an edge in, in my career path. Uh, but I also just wanted a different experience and wanted to, to see what it'd be like to move abroad uh, as an adult, kind of on my own terms. Yeah. Um, so I started to seek out opportunities, specifically in Europe and and uh, more specifically in, in Paris, uh, because you know I had some French skills and a few connections here, and I thought that would be an ideal place to to land. So had you stayed in touch with people from Paris from when you were a child? Yeah, I, I had a couple of friends that we stayed, you know, we stayed in touch on, on Facebook Facebook. and, and that kind of thing. You know, it was, it was childhood friendship. So, you know, you're, you're nine and 10 years old. Uh, So so some of them were were stronger than others. There were a couple of times where I I went back to visit like during middle school and high school in in Paris and and caught up with friends. So, uh, and actually one girl that I went to uh, elementary school with ended up being at my university. We like ran into each other and uh, it was a bit of a, a small reunion, which was uh, <laughs> quite a coincidence. But yeah, m- most of them have, have kind of dispersed, actually. Uh, so so I, I don't have like the on the ground connections here. But, uh, you know, there's some family friends and my, my mom knows a few people here. Yeah. And it was just like a, a level of comfort. You know, I, I think if I would mm. moved to like, I don't know, Romania or Italy or Germany or something, I just wouldn't have the same level of comfort because I, I, I don't speak the language and I, I don't... Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so Paris, because, yeah, you knew some people, you spoke a bit of French, and you... Um... Well, I, I think I think one other element that's, that's worth pointing out, just specifically in my case, is that 
because I worked in the technology industry, uh, I'd kind of observed that, you know, Europe was, you know, slightly lagging to the US or, I mean, if you think about Silicon Valley kind of being the pioneer yeah. of, of kind of the modern tech industry, but there were inklings of a, kind of a tech revolution taking place in Europe. And some of the big tech hubs were, were London, obviously, Berlin, uh, Paris, Barcelona. And about five years ago, you know, they were, they were kind of emerging, but they were starting to hit their stride as I was evaluating uh, companies in Europe. Mm. And France uh, took a, a pretty big uh, position on, on kind of integrating this into their, I don't know, their, their kind of like country strategy from a governmental standpoint. Uh, Macron in particular is, is yeah, very pro-tech. Really pushed yeah the tech side and the startup side yeah and so that that made it a you know an appealing city for me to to to, to move to because first of all there's a lot of young tech companies that were looking for people with my kind of profile and i thought it would be interesting to kind of join uh, a, a movement at its relatively early stages and kind of watch yeah. uh, watch it grow and, and kind of participate it's funny how I, I've heard it. it's it's not the first time that I hear people um, not from France or abroad actually qualify Paris as a tech hub, and I think it has sort of evolved in maybe the three yeah the past three four years. Mm-hmm. When I was living in Paris previously before Dublin, I didn't feel like it was such a huge tech hub. Maybe because I wasn't in the industry yet. Um, but I, I do feel that it's changed a lot in the past few years. And five to six years ago, I'd say it was pretty difficult for internationals to find a job in Paris where recruiters yeah. can be quiet. Like, if you don't speak French, you don't get it. Where uh, quite rigid on the criteria that they had in terms of recruiting. I feel it has evolved a little bit with this with this rise in startups who are looking to be international straight away and not necessarily just focus on the French market. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I've I've read and, and listened to a lot of interviews from some of the kind of directors in the the French tech scene. And yeah, ten years ago, I mean, Fr- France is kind of notorious for being a, a, a difficult place to to be an entrepreneur to launch a yeah. business. Lots too many of paperwork, taxes, too much paperwork. <laughs> exactly, and and so it was it was uh, quite difficult to recruit, quite difficult to grow a business. Although they they do have a, a great educational system and a lot of talent here, and so I, I think that's kind of been turned on its head in the past decade, where now there's this French tech visa, where where pretty much anyone who wants to become an entrepreneur that, that qualifies can can move here and and launch a company, and I think they have two or three years. Uh, of, no of a visa up front, yeah, with with kind of no strings attached, and the the government, the French government, has like a an invest in uh, an investment arm that that you know, is kind of piling money into tech startups. It's like a private public par- partnership mm-hmm. that funds tech startups here. And now that the UK has exited the European Union, Paris yeah. has actually kind of taken that number one spot for tech innovation in Europe. Oh, um, okay. which is cool. I think last year the stat that I saw was that. We were the what we being Paris was the was the only or, or France rather was the only country that grew uh, year over year in in uh, startup funding uh, okay. in in Europe during the pandemic. So there's a lot of momentum and excitement around it. A lot of accelerators and incubators and uh, yeah, which which is cool. So yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay. And so talking more about your move this time, um, did you have were you expecting 
it to go as it did. Having moved there as a child, did you sort of have an idea of how it would go in your head? Yeah, I, I think I was kind of disconnected from the 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 like the childhood experience. I, I kind of viewed it as um, kind of a, a a new blank slate, almost like a redo. I don't I don't I don't know why. I mean, not not that it was a horrendous experience as a child, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I I kind of wanted to to have ownership over this experience and yeah. and do something kind of independently. So you know, expectations versus reality is 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 always a, a a challenge. You know, you kind of fantasize about like what it's like to live in Paris and you know yeah. have this life abroad. But ultimately, when you arrive and you're getting settled in, and it, it's a lot of logistics, it's a lot of you know trying to make friends, uh, get used to a new company. Hmm. So it can be pretty exhausting. And and on top of that, you know, you're six to nine hours away from most of your friends and family, so you you feel yeah. you know geographically disconnected from them. So it, it, it can be a, a fairly kind of lonely start. It's not as glamorous as, as you might, you know, like like an Emily in Paris situation, no, you know. Yeah, no, definitely <laughs> not. It doesn't happen that way. <laughs> Just a flat search is a, is a whole story. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I guess the one connection to my childhood, and this is kind of a, a strange one, is that I, I think all humans have like a, a distinct sense of smell that's connected to memory. And I, I found myself kind of wandering through Paris and I would have, you know, I wouldn't be explicitly thinking about, you know, a moment in childhood, but then I, I would smell something like, I don't know, roasted chestnuts, you know, walking through Trocadero or something. And I would think, oh, wow, that, that reminds me of like this time when I was a kid, you know, uh, we used to, you know, get those in the wintertime. Um, so there, there, was, there were moments where I would have these like really clear memories that I, I you know, kind of. I don't know. It's like they they kind of rose from the dead. You know, they were kind of in the mm. in the back of my mind. Uh, hadn't thought about them in a while. So, I, 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 to me, that was actually kind of a a nice way to kind of revisit those memories and experiences by by kind of moving through the city and and the the sights and the smells. But yeah, otherwise, you know, expectations were I'm going to be uh, you know a rising tech star in in Paris. The <laughs> reality is, you know, you spend a year kind of grinding it out and 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 figuring out your your new life and handling a lot of logistics frankly and, and just yeah. getting situated um and did you arrive already having a job or were you searching on the site i did i was lucky to to find one beforehand so okay. i i i mentioned this to you a, a while back when we we talked that uh I, i was able to find a bit of a loophole uh in that i obtained an irish passport Mm, um, yeah. from like my great grandmother emigrated to New York in like 1911. She was like 16 <laughs> years old and, and it kind of got handed down generation generationally. And for a while it was, it was closed off to me. And then I don't know why the Irish consulate decided, uh, to, to, to change course, but <laughs> I, I, it was open to me, available to me. And I, I sent an application to now I'm a dual citizen, um, which was actually kind of an accelerant for me to apply to jobs in Europe. Yeah. I didn't require sponsorship. I didn't yeah. need to move with the company I was with. And so I started looking at the startup ecosystem in, in Paris and uh, just kind of pulled up an Excel spreadsheet, uh, put, put together all of the uh, all of the ones that looked interesting and aligned with yeah. my skill set and, and needed me, uh, needed, needed me, needed a profile like mine. <laughs> and uh, actually the one that I ended up getting didn't even have a job listing. I just sent, you know, I hit the contact us button on their website and wrote them a, a cold email. And uh, that kind of initiated the conversation. I went to France, the CEO came to New York, and 
six months later, I signed a contract and, and hopped on a flight. That went well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just got to kind of put the energy out there it. and, uh, and uh, yeah, things materialize. And do you find the atmosphere or the way of working in a startup in France different to in the U.S.? I think the biggest difference for me was just like the, the level of maturity uh, of, of the startups here. I mean, it's kind of hard to articulate this, but I, I think having spent a lot of time in San Francisco, kind of Silicon Valley ethos, you, you know, there, there's all these isms and kind of tropes of like being in tech and surrounding yourself with other people that are kind of working mm. on interesting and challenging problems. And so there's, I don't know what to call it a playbook necessarily, but there, there's kind of a, a, a standard approach uh, to kind of building and, and scaling a startup. And I think a lot of the companies, uh, or at least the company I was at, uh, was was trying to model off some of that, but there was just the lack of experience mm. and and the lack, lack of a, a, a kind of an, an ecosystem of, yeah, of people. Yeah, not being uh, surrounded by all these people who have Exactly, yeah. So it was kind of like we were trying to model off some of those ideas, but they didn't quite land as we, as we imagined. <laughs> So there, there was there was uh, a little bit of that. Obviously, I mean, you know, it's it's early days in, in kind of the, the startup ecosystem here. So, but it was a uh, yeah, kind of you you learn as you go. For me though, I think the biggest the, like the biggest differences were like the cultural differences. Like uh, okay. you know, I was used to eating lunch at my desk, for example, mm. uh, every day, and 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 just working kind of crazy hours. And and um, here like lunch was sacred you know you, yeah. you you went out to to lunch everyone brought it back to the kitchen we had conversation you took your full hour mm. uh take time to digest have a coffee <laughs> yeah. and uh and then you're you're back to it and so there there were elements that i that i really liked I, I, kind of a familial atmosphere there was a yeah just i i think people wanted to um People took care of each other. Uh, you know, I, I think maybe this was unique to my startup, but there there was just a, a really nice kind of family environment, which which existed startups in the U.S. too. But at least in my experience, this, this felt slightly different. So, um, yeah. Nice. And what about the home building your network more on the friendship side? How mm. did you approach that in France? So, it's a really good question. I mean, I uh, my my first friends here were actually work friends yeah, and I think the case. benefit of yeah I think the benefit of joining a, a tech startup is that uh, it skews kind of a, a younger demographic mm. in general and so you know I had a peer group of 10 or 15 people who were kind of in my age bracket uh, had similar kind of uh, I don't know you know tendencies to you know they, they similar interests you know wanted to go to concerts or go to a, yeah. a bar or a restaurant there were happy hours at work. So that that was kind of my first introduction. Uh, and there was a couple people specifically at the company who were just like very social and also incredibly welcoming. I mean, they introduced me to their friends, which if you uh, if you know anything about like Parisians uh, in general, like it, it takes a while to warm up yeah. and <laughs> get introduced to kind of the, the broader friend group. And so mm. a couple of people I met were, were atypical in that sense. And they, they were willing to introduce me right away. And, and they were happy to have a kind of a, an expat in their, in their crew. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I, it was a lot of kind of scheming. I, you know, I, I talked to, I talked to some friends and uh, from home or from university and say, 
and they, they would tell me, oh, hey, uh, I saw you moved to Paris. And uh, one of my friends that did, I don't know, study abroad in London moved to Paris. Like, you guys should meet oh, up for wow. coffee. And yeah. so I was kind of lucky to have a, a, a you know, existing friend network. Outside that was, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they were all fairly international. And so it, it kind of started like that. I mean, I, I, I met one person for, for coffee uh, and she and I kind of hit it off. And we had a couple of mutual friends and then she introduced me to some of her friends she had met. And the next thing you know, you've kind of got this extended expat network um, yeah. and, and you start hanging out on a regular basis and, and, uh, and it evolves from there. So I was lucky in that sense. It, it can definitely be an isolating experience. I've met people who, who come over here, uh, don't get along with anybody at work or at least not in a social context and don't really know how to approach the situation. So I, I, consider myself pretty lucky that I, I found a, a, a decent group. Nice, yeah. Yeah, I do feel that the startup side has a bit of this family vibe in France. If there's a good atmosphere in the startup, mm-hmm. um, there, there, there is this Instagram account you might know about, Balance de Startup, where yes. clearly yes, the startups you don't want to go to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think we'll move on to the recommendations then. Uh, we're going to have a few now from Paris, but interested to hear your thoughts on and your your favorite areas of sure. so one bar, one restaurant, and a carte blanche. Okay, so let's start with the bar. I guess to give some context, I live in the 18th of Arrondissement, which okay. is kind of the, for those listening, the, the north side of Paris, uh, Montmartre like kind of Sacré-Cœur, like the kind of classic old Parisian vibe. And I've actually lived here in this arrondissement in three different apartments now, but in the same arrondissement. So I've kind of moved around and this is kind of my home base. And, and so I'm going to give recommendations from here. Right. So for a bar, I just moved to a new apartment and there's one that's not too far away from me called Supercoin. Okay. It's a very kind of casual bar bar you know it's kind of like your it's, it's not quite a dive bar but it's as close as you can kind of get to one in in paris and the bartenders are super nice they've got a nice <clears throat> terrace patio area where you can hang outside uh and they've got you know all kinds of beer on tap like high quality kind of draft you know brew, you know micro breweries local breweries which is cool and uh, and they serve food too. So if you get a little hungry, they've got a nice kitchen, and, and they can they can give you a little little stuff to snack on, which is cool. So Superquan is is my uh, is my go to here in the 18th. For restaurants, this is a tough one, as you're well aware, because we are in a, a city of food. So I, I decided that I'm gonna I'm gonna choose based on on kind of my my pandemic lifestyle. Right. <laughs> so I. We came up with this kind of tradition during lockdown called Pizza Tuesday, uh, okay. which is uh, exactly what it sounds like. Uh, every Tuesday, we would order pizza, but we would choose a different pizzeria and try to get a sense for the best ones around. So really good for morale uh, during the lockdown. Not yeah. great for the waistline, but <laughs> but uh, but I can confidently say that I, I have a pretty good grasp on the pizzerias in, in my region. Okay. And so I'd love to recommend all of them. There's all different styles. And, but uh, my, my recent favorite is called Amore Mio. And, uh, you know, it's classic Italian style pizzeria. The, the location is, is cool and pretty hip. But I've never actually eaten there. I've, I've only kind of ordered or, or picked it up. But highly recommend uh, delicious pizza, uh, very authentic kind of Italian style. 
style pizza. So, I think I've heard heard about it. Near Louis Blanc, I think the metro. Uh, so it's not too far from the canal. Okay. Yeah, it's a uh, five out of five. Would recommend. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to go up there. Yeah. And your carte blanche. Oh, carte blanche. This is a tough one because there's a lot of great kind of secret spots. I, I, originally, I was going to say the Jardin de Luxembourg because when I was a kid, we used to go there all the time. And I don't know, there's something about it that uh, that, that I I love. That just walking around in such a beautiful garden. But it's to cool stick part. with my my kind of theme of the 18th arrondissement, I'm going to say uh, up at the top of Sacré Cœur, the, the the big church up there. It's probably the best view of the city, uh, aside oh. from Montparnasse, which is like the, the big tower uh, that everyone hates here, but it has a yeah, beautiful the, roof it's deck. The only, it's the only tower inside the city, that's like. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's, it's justified. Like randomly I, I, there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how they schemed to get the uh, the zoning rights to, to build that, but um, whoever did like, probably made a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty hideous, but it's uh, yeah, it's got a decent roof deck that I've been to once. But if you want something, you know, outdoors and uh, kind of an iconic view of of Paris, nothing really beats the the top of Sacré Cœur. There's uh, plenty of places like stairs you can sit on. You can bring food and drinks up there, and uh, you get a pretty panoramic view of the city. So I I tend to uh, I, I do a, a decent amount of jogging. And so I take advantage of that. It's it's kind of a, a difficult stair run to get up there, but yeah, once you're up it there, is. it's it's worth the uh, worth the investment. Yeah, it does have a pretty view, and you do see all of all of the city. It's the place to bring all your friends who are visiting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there anything else you wanted to add around your? I guess if I had anything to say, it would be that, you know, if you are in this kind of, you know, remote work world, if, if you have the means and the opportunity, uh, Paris is a, is a great place to, to move, even if it's just for a, a year or two. I, I would highly recommend it. And uh, especially post-pandemic, it, it seems things are opening back up. There's a lot of positive energy and, and excitement here. People out on their patios and balconies so um yeah, yeah I, I can't recommend happy it enough. to be back out and <laughs> go to museums go to the yeah. cinema we're, we're all waiting for that <laughs> exactly okay last question then what is your expat song yeah so i i am curious kind of how you define an expat song i have one in mind but i just want to make sure that I'm... it's sort of a song that resonates either with your this experience in Paris or with your whole expat journey? Sort of, it can be your go-to song for when moving or just when that sure. resonates. Okay, well, I'm gonna choose one that, I, I don't even know how to define, like categorize the song necessarily, but I, I, I like it just because it's a nice like kind of song to dance to. It always gets me kind of motivated and, and, and feeling positive. Uh, it's a it's a song by this kind of electronic artist. He's a Nordic artist, I think. His name is Todd Terj. He's pretty pretty popular, pretty well known. And he's a song called Inspector Norse. And uh, it's kind of this kind of goofy, poppy electro beat. Uh, but it it gets me uh, you know gets me in the mood to dance every time. And and the music video in particular is kind of wild. So I don't know. I I think it was I I, I think I listened to it quite a bit uh, once I moved here. Okay. 
so maybe, maybe that's the reason that uh, it, it resonates with me. But if you're into kind of dance or electronic music uh, and you want something a little funky, I, uh, I, I recommend checking him out. Okay, well, I will link that in the comments as well as all the bars and restaurants sure. that you mentioned. Thanks so much. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Feel free to put a rating on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed it and stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, guys.